Hello, and welcome to the Sporting Max Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company, revolutionizing the way people look at having a night out with friends. We make a sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink, and love yourself the next day too. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. And here's your host, Max Becker. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max, where today we are joined by CEO of Surfing Victoria, Adam Robertson. Welcome, Adam. Yeah, Maxie. Thanks, buddy. So, Adam, the 2009 Rip Curl Pro Bells Beach Finals, you came second place, the first local male to achieve that feature in 40 years. How does it feel when you know that you're in the finals, and what goes through your mind when you're riding that final wave for the comp? Um, oh, the, it was pretty amazing to get that result. Um, it was a lot of hard work and, um, it was, it's, I mean, it's still surreal today to, to sort of go through my parents' lounge room and there's a, one of the iconic group Curl Pro Bells, uh, that I own, even it's a runner up bell, but it's still something that I'm really proud of. And, um, something that I, I look back on and one it's a it was a great experience and great time and and on the other side of the coin there's it's some part of it is pretty surreal um how did i feel on some of the waves that i was riding um i remember the final pretty pretty well um i remember um being a little uh, feeling a little bit nervous and a little bit tired. I'd surfed a lot of heats. I think I remember getting in my wetsuit at about um, you know eight o'clock that morning, and just the way things sort of panned out, I, I didn't actually get out of my wetsuit until about two o'clock that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe two or three o'clock in that afternoon. So I'd been in my wetsuit all day surfing. Through heats and um, and I guess there was a lot of build up throughout the day and and a lot of um, you know you getting towards the final of, of a world tour event. So I remember being partly nervous, partly excited, partly tired, partly buzzing. You know, it was just I guess it was just a bit of an overload of um, yeah feelings, but it was. Um, definitely something I look back on that, that makes me, it's, it's one of the things that makes me proud of um, sort of taking the path I did, I suppose, in, in pursuing pro surfing. What have you been doing in this isolation period? What have I been doing in this isolation period? Uh, look, I've been surfing a fair bit, which has been great. I've got a six-year-old son um, that loves to surf and loves to skate. Yep. Uh, he he hasn't been at school, so I've been sort of managing my time uh, between work and between play, I suppose. Um, so I've been surfing with my son a lot, um, going on bike rides with both my kids and skateboarding and uh, all those fun things with the kids. And uh, to be honest, I've, I've actually had a pretty good time through, throughout COVID-19, throughout the isolation period, other than... Um, you know, on the, the work front, there's been some difficulties with 
the way we operate and things like that. I'm sure everyone's hitting the same hurdles, but um, there's elements of, of it that I've really enjoyed. I think I'm fitter than what I have been for a number of years because I've been doing a lot of physical activity, which has been great. Tell us about growing up in your childhood. Okay. I, I grew up in Cape Bridgewater, which is um, in the far west of Victoria, uh, about yep. 20 minutes west of Portland. Um, so I, I lived, yeah, so I lived at Cape Bridgewater. We had a house about a two-minute walk to the beach. Over, I overlooked, um, the house overlooked the, the Bridgewater Bay. Um, and, look, I, I pretty much just spent my childhood um, surfing and skateboarding and watching surf movies. <laughs> Tell us about your relationship with Hayden over the years. Any truth that he smoked you in a heat at, at the shit tip in 1996? <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I can't remember. But I strongly, <laughs> highly doubt it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Files. No, well, me and Files yeah. go a long way back. <laughs> um, and then I probably, I think, like we knew each other and we were friends for a long period of time. And then we lived together from about 2006 to maybe 2011. It about 2000, yeah, it's about 2011, yeah. 2012, I think. What was that experience like for the both of you? So, well, put, from, my, from my point of view, um, it meant a lot of late nights, Max. Because most of the events Adam used to surf in were on the other side of the world, oh, yeah. uh, which meant that um, you'd be setting your alarm to try and watch his heats while he was competing. Yep. Um, which could be quite stressful, especially with some of the um, smaller competitions and the web being not as advanced as it is today. Um, yep. It was very frustrating when you, Adam had heats and you're sitting there and all you could get was a, was a score. And you're sitting there waiting for a refresh, refresh. Um, and so that was was good good times, good times. But, um, yeah, Adam, probably one of, the most, one of the most frustrating things was for me that when Adam came second of Bells, I actually had to do that via the internet myself because I was away with work. And um, Adam, being the guy that he was, he actually offered to fly me home for the party that night. <laughs> it's a true story for you, Max. The party would have gone a lot longer if Files was there. <laughs> no, we, we, we lived, well, as I said, we lived together for a long time. We always, I don't, don't ever think we ever had a dust up. I think we we like pretty similar things. We like sport. We like footy. We like cricket. We like surfing. We like the same music tastes. Um, Hayden likes to drink a lot more than I do, so he could drink a lot that I that he drank what I didn't drink, but um, <laughs> yeah, look, it was unreal. We Hayden, I would say, hey, I think when I, when we first moved in, Hayden would have had a quiver of about five or six boards, and then when I moved in in the garage, that probably would have gone from about say ten boards in the garage to about fifty boards in the garage. <laughs> so all the people in the house, their quiver of surfboards got a lot bigger. When I moved in, 
When did you recently move to recently moved to five acres, Max, just so I can accommodate all my boards now (laughs) from living with Robbo. Uh, Robbo, when did you first pick up a surfboard and learn to surf? Um, well, my dad surfs. He's a great surfer. Um, so I've pretty much been around surfing my whole life. I don't remember a time when I, I wasn't surfing. Um, so I, look, I've been pretty lucky. I think I was just born into a surfing family and, uh, um, I, as a kid, I loved the water and loved, um, yeah, being outside and doing heaps of activity. So surfing was pretty, um, easy transition into to doing that all the time and and then um as i got older some of my other friends started surfing more and then um by the time i was like 11 or so um i was pretty much not doing many other sports other than just surfing all all the time and then as i sort of got into high school i sort of wanted to be why i wanted to be a pro surfer um and spent a lot of time surfing and a lot of time missing a little bit of school to go surfing as well so i pretty much uh yeah look i was really lucky i was just sort of born into a surfing family that was around the beach and um to start surfing was pretty natural what influenced you to make the decision to go pro with your surfing um, oh, I guess I, it was something that I was interested in. Um, I really wanted to push myself. Uh, I was pretty fairly competitive little kid and wanted to, um, probably just be thinking like, I just wanted to be a pro surfer. I didn't really know how to be a pro surfer or anything like that. I started doing some events, um, surfing competitions, which, um, I started getting some okay results in, in 2000 and, uh, sorry, in 1997 or 1998, um, 1997, I think I got fourth in the Australian junior titles. Yep. Um, and then I got to go to, um, the world junior titles. Um, and at that, that point I, I got, I think I got seventh seventh place equal seventh place in the world junior titles in the under 18 division um and that was sort of the point where i kind of it kind of tipped me over the edge to wanting to um really try and pursue surfing more than um probably pursue surfing more than considering going to university and yeah I'm going down that path. I, I just sort of wanted to focus completely on my surfing after I finished my VCE and finished year 12. Um, and that was, that was sort of what I did. What do you do as an opponent, as an opponent when coming up against a surfer like Kelly Slater? Um, well, certain surfers can surf differently um, to, to, to different opponents. You can strategize, um, a little bit differently to surf against um, a certain surfers with certain skill sets. Kelly yeah. is a very difficult one to surf against because his skill set in all areas of, of um, 
surfing is so high. Um, whether it's small, big, tubes, turns, innovation, um, he's very hard one to match um, in any of those um, scenarios. So most of the time with, with someone like Kelly, it, you, tr you really try and, and be on the premium waves. Um, and that, that is sort of, if you look closely in, into professional surfing, the majority of heats are won on, on really good wave selection. So a surfer yeah. like Kelly, the opportunity to beat him is mostly in wave selection, more so than uh, on the wave or using your ability. So that is how, um, in the past, that's how surfers um, have been able to take it to Kelly Slater um, in, in a way. Even still, um, Kelly's a difficult one to beat, even if he's on, in, he's on waves that aren't, aren't as good as the ones you're on. But it's, um, he's, he's a tough one, tough one to beat. Is it true that after a heat against Kelly Slater, you sprayed him and can you tell us how that happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was on a, that was in, uh, that was Rip Curl Pro. I think it was yeah. 2000, 2004 maybe. We, um, so I surfed round one against Kelly and CJ Hobgood. Kelly yeah. won that heat. I got second, CJ got third. I broke my really good board in that heat at Bells. So round two, I surfed against Corey Lopez I, and I beat Corey Lopez. And into round three, I had Kelly. Um, and the waves were pumping. Um, and I had a, <clears throat> I remember having, an, I had an eight point um, eight or something like that in my scores, an 8.8 .8 and a six or something like that. And Kelly had like a nine, five and an eight or something like that. So he went to town. Um, towards the end of the heat, I had priority and a wave came. Kelly went the wave and broke his board on the wave. Mm -hmm. And then the siren went. The wave that Kelly took off on wasn't enough for me to get the score to win. So I let Kelly go and he broke his board. Then I surfed past him on the next wave because the siren had gone and then I just went up close to him and then sprayed him while he was holding his broken board and then just went in. Uh, there was sort of not really anything else to it. I, I just thought it was funny. I actually just did it knowing um, actually just did it knowing that my cousin who was working in England at the time would have seen it and got a laugh about it. I didn't, I didn't actually do it for any other reason just than just to know that he would be watching and he would get a laugh out of it. Had it, had it Adam, has he actually remembered that? Has he ever brought it up with you? I've got, I've got, it, I've got that heat on, on film. So I've got the way that I, I spray, sprayed him. Um, but have you asked Kelly if he remembers it? Oh, there's no chance. I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think at the time he would have thought I, I kind of was doing it. I just did it just to be a... <laughs> yes. I don't think I don't think he would have thought much about it. He won the heat. <laughs> <laughs> you were in the World Surf League for eight years, riding waves around the globe. What is it like to surf some with some with with some of the world's best? Amazing. Um, it's amazing to um, it's amazing to push yourself and see how far you, you can push yourself and the opportunity to surf. 
in, in destinations that I never ever thought I would go to was amazing. And the opportunity to surf against some of the surfers that I surfed against throughout my career, both win, lose or draw, was amazing. Um, you know, I look back and I look back at some great heats that I had um, where I won against surfers who I watched in surf movies that I absolutely um, adored. Yeah. And then, you know, to, to be able to... Like I, the, what, I remember going, the first time I went to Hossegore in France, I remember just just being like, wow, this wave is so um, famous. I never, ever thought I would be here. Um, yep. So there was a lot of things like that where you're experiencing these things with um, that you sort of, you never thought you'd, you'd do. So, Adam, obviously you know about Hayden's Monday distillery business with non-alcoholic gin and tonic. So how important is it for surfers to steer away from alcohol and manage their diet and alcohol intake? (laughs) What a plug. (laughs) Um, Look, um, anything um, that can take away from an athlete's performance when they're trying to get the best out of themselves um, should be done in, in moderation or, you know, or you steer clear from, um, you know, things that are going to severely affect, uh, your judgment or, or the way that you perform. Um, you know, I, I think, um, with, on on the subject of alcohol, I, I'm not going to sit, ever sit here and say, you know, um, don't ever drink alcohol as a, as a um, you know, a professional sportsman. I think there's a time and a place and everyone needs to let their hair down. Um, and I think um, as long as it's done in, in moderation and, and you understand your limits and you're not bringing yourself into any harm or your friends or people around you um, into any harm, then a few beers with friends is a, is a fantastic way to... Um, let some steam off and, and also enjoy uh, it's a great way to enjoy your mates and, and having a good time and telling a lot of good stories. So um, that answer your question. Would it, be, would it be fair, would it be fair to say Adam that surfing as a sport was a long way behind most sports in terms of professionalism and looking at exercise, training, diet and those types of things. It wasn't really until I mean, Kelly Slater was the first to really do it, but it wasn't really yeah. to the mid-2000s before it got really serious. Yeah, I think... Well, look, I think Tom Carroll and Martin Potter were the first ones to kind of really step up their game towards, a, a you know, a fitness regime that was, you know... Yeah. Uh, helping them get the best out of themselves. I think Shane Aran did a bit before that. I know Oki was... Um, you know, heavily into yoga and stuff like that. But um, I think we're at a point now where surfing, it's an Olympic sport, it's a professional sport, and for athletes to get the best out of themselves and the best out of their ability, they understand how, they understand better, they, they have a better understanding now of how to get the best out of themselves and it's they treat their surfing career um, in a much more professional, uh, with a much more professional approach. Um, 
which which is great. It's it's great that um, surfing isn't seen as a you know a, a, I guess a drug filled sport now. It's seen as a sport that um, is recognised by the Olympics. The the World Surfing Tour, the World Surf League, is yeah. is uh, recognised as a you know as a uh, fantastic platform for for spreading um, for showcasing surfing, which is um, it's it's really good to see, and it's really good to see that. Um, some of this, you know, surfing is becoming a, a recognised sport that that a lot of families and and um, people are, are really wanting to to do and are wanting to to do it well. While competing um, in your career, what was the be- where was the best place that you surfed? Um, oh look, I, they they always used to be an event on the in the Maldives that was a great event to go to. Um, Always really loved going to Western Australia, Margaret River um, region. There's just some brilliant waves around there and always beautiful weather. A um, lot of tubes, which is um, uh, amazing. Um, so I always used to love going to South Africa. Um, South Africa was always really good fun. Um, America, even America, I never really enjoyed the waves of Huntington Beach, but always loved going to America. It was always really good fun. Um, and I loved going to Trestles and San Clemente and those guys. Um, yeah, that was, it was amazing. So probably, but look, ultimately the best, the best place that I used to love going and love competing was Sunset Beach. That was probably one of my favorite spots because uh, I loved the big open faces and, um, I really enjoyed riding a big board and always felt, confident out there so that was probably my favorite spot to compete at who is the best competitor that you surfed with on the wsl tour kelly slater by short by a long way is it is it yeah um is it true for an event in scotland you won an excalibur sword is that cooler than a bell (laughs) uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's something. It's um. <laughs> look, apparently, look. I don't know. I've been pretty lucky. I, I got two really great trophies in in two events where I was able to go really well. And I got a bell and a sword. I think. I think for me, the bell is one thing that's that's really amazing. I can't kind of um, top that as a trophy. Yeah. Uh, I think. But I, I think the sword is is um, yeah, it's one of those amazing trophies. I, I, I wish that event still ran because it's always in good surf and, and it had a, a, a amazing feel with an amazing trophy that that everyone who competed during that time they wanted to win that trophy. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's better than the bell, but it's um, it's a pretty cool trophy. Talk to us about your online surfing coaching website. Um, in surf better now what's what's involved in that yeah so surf better now is basically just um it's a lot of technical um it's a it's a website that provides people with technical information and videos and images on how to surf better and it goes through 10 levels around 40 lessons of um how to how to do specific um surfing maneuvers um that will hopefully the the people who go on and, and log on and 
um, go through the site. We'll be able to read through the the um, specific manoeuvres and, and learn how to do them online without having to um, see a coach or they won't, they won't have to... Um, uh, they'll be able to improve their surfing uh, off of, off of reading all that information. So we put a lot of time into it. I think it's a pretty, pretty cool site and hopefully um, in particular surfers from regional areas um, who check it out can have that really good access to high, high level coaching that, that can help more regional surfers reach up and potentially take a similar path to me uh, in, in chasing a professional surfing career. Where did the idea of running Surf Better Now come from? Uh, <coughs> where did it come from? Where did the idea come from? Um, look, I just had a lot of... Um, I had the idea and I really wanted to, within work, create a, a, a revenue stream that wasn't um, government funded. Um, that was... That was a, a part of what I thought could happen with surfing and now I think, but, but ultimately what I really wanted was the ability to talk to surfers um, all across the state and all across the country and provide them with really good coaching tools or coaching information that they were able to use and, and be helpful in, and then be able to in, implement that into their surfing. Um, that was probably the ultimate goal was just to be that that um, platform that because I, I guess like I understand coming from a regional area wanting to yeah, yeah. perform at an elite level and not knowing where to start and that was probably one of the, one of my motivations in going through with the Serpent in our platform is going well there could be someone in Port Ferry there could be someone in Portland there could be someone in Mallacoota there's people all over Australia that that want to aspire to be something great and if I can help provide them with information on how to do that for surfing, um, then that's something that's really important to me. Tell me about when you first started out at Surfing Victoria and about your role then. Yeah, when I first started out, I was the high performance director. for So I just took care of all the surfers in the state and did a lot of coaching to help them um, learn to, to surf better. My strength is probably more in, in the technical aspects of surfing. Um, so uh, I really focused on that. And then um, and that, that was sort of my focus for a couple of years. And um, yeah, I just pushed really hard with that while, when, I, when I first started because we didn't have that within the business of Surfing Vic. And I, I really wanted to um, be able to bring that um, and give, and in particular, I really wanted Victorians to to have an edge and to, to win and I wanted them to win and I wanted, them to, I wanted them to be pro surfers. And that was my motivation behind that. What have you taken away from your experience as the high development coach into your role as the CEO of Surfing Victoria? Um, well, look, I, I think um, ultimately, I, I, you know, I still really, I'm really passionate about providing athletes with um, a platform to be able to surf and aim to surf at that really high level. Uh, I think that was one thing that, that 
surfing Victoria, you know, we, we have to offer, we have to offer a really good pathway and, and opportunity to, to have Victorian surfers, um, Give him the best chance to be a pro surfer and win world titles and get on the ASP, get on the WSL World Tour and um, and succeed. So, I think probably the thing I, I probably took through it is through it all is is um, not being afraid to work um, hard and and also um, striving for 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 excellence. I guess is striving for for. Um, Probably not so. I don't want to say striving to win, but it's just striving to um, be the best you can be. Who are some of the people that you've had to help that you have helped coach, and which was the one that you had to really pinch yourself that you were helping? Um, well, Kelly, I did some work with Kelly, um, which was really fantastic, amazing, um, and that was that was definitely one where I had to focus really hard um, and, and make sure that the information that I was giving was correct and, and, and it was thought out. Uh, that one, that one was fantastic uh, and also surreal. Um, look, I've been really fortunate um, to work with a lot of top surfers through Rip Curl Pro and also outside of Rip Curl Pro. Um, and, and Kelly's definitely the one that, um, you know, I'm, I'm again. I'm, I'm really proud of that one. How do you help the goat? <laughs> that's that's the big one, Max. How do you help the greatest of all time? How do you teach Michael Jordan to be a better basketballer? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think a lot of that one. There was just there was a lot of high level conversations around equipment and maneuver selection and. Um, Things like that, which um, help piece together a wave, um, and how that's relevant with the judging criteria, um, and and um, just being keeping things really simple for a lot of a lot of those top end surfers. There's a, they, they've got lots of boards. They need they need really definite information because. Yeah you're trying to split hairs in a lot of in a lot of different situations. So it's just about remaining calm, making sure the information you're giving is the best that it can be. And, um, and, and also, um, helping them feel comfortable in, in making a decision, uh, and make, and, and just making sure that, that they feel they feel um, supremely confident in their decisions, and and backing them with that and being that sounding board for, of of good information. With your coaching ability, at what age do you think your son Teddy will be better than you? I hear at six he's already he already has Hayden covered. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the skateboard ramp, he's got me covered by a long. He does moves on the skateboard ramp. I've never ever even think about trying um so yeah look i don't know it's probably happening quicker than what i <laughs> thought so maybe i'll say 12 maybe <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know but um the best look the best thing is uh that we he loves it we surf together 
almost all the time. And, um, and when he, when he, you know, when you see certain situations where he gets a great wave or, um, does something he's never done before, or, um, we spend a lot of time together. It's, um, it's better than surfing on my own. It's better than anything I've done surfing on my own. Um, Hey Max, one of the things that Adam did do to try and help his son uh, study during the early stages of of COVID was he actually developed a whole surf-based education platform, um, (laughs) which would help his son with maths, uh, English, um, and it's it's available online, isn't it, Adam? Is it still there for purchase? (laughs) Yes. Surf math, yeah, I I had to make, I had to put it online for sale. I tried to just, too many people wanted, wanted it, were messaging me for it. I couldn't keep up with all the email addresses. So I put it on shop Shopify or Shopify to, I wanted to give it to people for free, but then the download costs kept getting me. So it's on, <laughs> it's on Shopify surf math. Yeah. I only did that because he wouldn't do any other schoolwork any other way unless it was surf related. So yeah, I was, I think a lot of other people, a lot of other parents were in the same boat. So they felt my pain or my, my <laughs> wife's pain trying to get your kids to do schoolwork when they just want to go outside and go play. Tell us about what you do as the um, CEO of Surfing Victoria. Oh, mate, where do I start? <laughs> we, we just, um, look, I guess my, uh, there's a lot of areas that, that fall under Surfing Victoria. Um, you know, we run the Rupcal Pro. We run Operations yep. Rupcal Pro. We run, you know, 20 odd state based events. We run Indigenous programs, um, women, and, uh, women and girls programs, um, stand up paddleboarding programs. Um, uh, yeah, look, we, we run. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned indigenous programs. Um, so we, we run, we run a pretty full calendar of events and high performance and, and, um, really I would say, uh, governing the sport, uh, in a competitive sense and, and also yeah. in an uh, entry level and, and, um, yeah, we've, we've been really busy, which has been good and good and bad. What would be your best advice to young surfers out there who want to improve on their surfing and really take it to the next level? Um, make sure you surf with all your mates yeah. every day. Watch surf movies for inspiration. Surf Better Now might be a really good platform <laughs> for you to jump a lot of jump a lot of hurdles uh, really quickly. But ultimately, um, get out there, get surfing, and, and surf as much as you can, and, and push yourself really hard. And um, don't be afraid to, to aim really high. Thank you, Adam and Hayden, for being part of the Sporting Max podcast. No yeah. worries, Max. Here's Maxie. Tune in, everyone, for some more podcasts. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. Be sure to like this episode and follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud. This episode was brought to you by the Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionizing the way people look at having a night out with friends. We make sophisticated non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink, and love yourself the next day too. Stay in high spirits. Keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Monday.